Hello, People's Church family. If you would turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, as I read from verse 12 to 21. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many tra trespasses brought justification. For if... Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and a life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, every family has one, the black sheep, the family secret, the skeleton in the closet. Paul introduces us to ours, the one man, Adam, he says in verse 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, sin came into the world through our ancestor. This is awful to comprehend. All the misery, all the pain, all the evil, all the abuse, all the wickedness and immorality, all the jealousies, anger, murders, and the Holocaust, wars and thefts and crimes and all the scandals, all the injustices and oppressions, all the broken lives and broken marriages, all the telephone scams and con men lying and deceiving, playing to a person's fears or greed, they all lead to our 
ancestor in our family line. Even creation itself has been tainted because of him. So that all the tornadoes and all the volcanoes and all the floods and all the earthquakes are laid at his feet. It is his responsibility. Adam, our relative, our kin, is the first cause of sin. Sin began with him in the human race. You remember the book of Genesis and the history there in chapter 2 where the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Sin came into the world through our ancestor, Adam. And not only sin. Look at the rest of verse 12. And death through sin. Death came into the world through our ancestor. Through Adam came sin. Through sin came death. Death and sin and Adam. The consequence of his willful disobedience was death. Even though he was specifically warned and told the consequence was being barred from the tree of life, was removal from Eden and the sentence of death, the warning to Adam could not have been clearer. And we too are not far off from Adam who wrestled with sin and its consequence. We do that which deserves death, and still we do them. Notice how Adam is named here and not Eve. Eve was tempted, but it was Adam who was told by God not to eat. It was Adam, the scripture says, who was not deceived. Adam is our skeleton in the closet. Through him came sin, and through sin came death. Death and sin are like two sides of the same grave. They cannot be separated. To speak of one is to speak of the other. You know, it's popular today to keep your family tree. How many of you have traced your lineage how many of you has a relative who is the family historian? I have a cousin who is the keeper of our family tree. He would bring it out and unroll his scroll across many tables as he worked things back as far as he could. 
Nowadays, you can find online programs that sort of slot you into the right branch of a family tree. Even DNA testing is used to see who your blood relatives are and to get back as far as you possibly can to your origins. Now we, you and I know this, Adam is as far back as we can go. We are all part of his family tree. He was created by God first, then Eve. He willfully sinned against God, and sin and death were introduced into our bloodlines because of his treachery. He is our kin, and every human being should feel the shame and the embarrassment of having such a relative, a relative who went bad, a relative who turned out badly. And his actions have had profound effects on all his family tree. Death and sin, sin and death. The original sin of Adam changed all mankind, and it changed the destiny of all mankind. He tells us in verse 12 that death, so death, spread to all men. Death spread to all men. That word spread means to pass through, able to, to penetrate, to get through any barrier. Our current pandemic, with all of its challenges, is nothing compared to what is being described here. How death passed through every barrier to all mankind. No mask can stop death. No quarantine. No lockdown, no isolation ward, no vaccine, and no face shield. Death spreads to all. It's not natural. It is like a plague. It's an enemy, the scripture says. And every human being has received the, the plague of death into him or herself, because of one man's action, the destiny of the human race was affected. Death spread to us all. Now, Romans, as well as Canadians, know well that the emperor or the prime minister affects the whole country. What he decides affects us all, like it or not. Like it or not, we follow certain laws. Like it or not, we recognize the elected government. And we know their decisions have consequence. Like it or not. And like it or not, Adam's willful transgression against God affects all who came after him. And we have an integral 
connection to him and his rebellion. Death spread to all man. And look what he says now at the end of verse 12, because all sinned. It's not like Adam is solely responsible. We can't wash our hands of the matter and simply blame him and see the death of us all as unjust in some way. We all die, yes, because of Adam's sin, but also true is that we all sin and so deserve death ourselves. We deserve to die because we too are sinners. We can say we die because of Adam's sin and our own sin. And this has always been the case. We live at a time when it's popular to blame others for our own sins, for our own fallenness, to blame parents, to blame governments, to blame teachers, to blame addictions, to blame whoever and whatever we can. Well, we can't do so here and put the blame solely on Adam. And Paul is taking pains to make this clear. Death and sin, sin and death, caused by Adam, caused by me, and caused by you. He says in verse 13, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. A little confusing to read that. What he's saying is that between Adam and the time of Moses and the Ten Commandments, sin was in the world and death. But it wasn't counted. It wasn't defined. It wasn't specific. It was a, a more general thing. It wasn't like Adam's willful sin against the command of God because God's specific commands had not yet been given in the Ten Commandments. And yet there was still death and sin, he's saying, and sin and death. The flood, you remember, came in judgment. The judgment of Babel was given. What we are being told is that our skeleton in the closet is Adam. And so the people of our world, uh, well, to the people of our world, he is best kept a family secret. <laughs> they will say he doesn't exist. They will roll their eyes at his history and his responsibility on how sin came into the world and death is best not talked about in public. It offends their self-image. It collides with what they call their truth. <laughs> they will complain their identities are being condemned. They don't feel safe. Their very nature is being questioned. It reveals, you see, what most want to avoid 
It reveals our own complicity, our own responsibility. For we too sin, and death is deserved. Now, Paul introduces us here at the end of verse 14 to where he is going. He says of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Hmm, a type. A type is a prefigure of a pattern or a mold. It's like looking at an old black and white portrait of an ancestor and seeing a resemblance, right? It's not exact, but you see a similarity. Adam is a pattern or mold of someone who was coming. And that someone is Jesus the Christ. It's not that they looked alike. The point of similarity is given to us. Look down at verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. This is the point of similarity, the purpose of the type. The actions of both Adam and Jesus Christ They had far-reaching consequences for all who came after. That is the type. That is the mold. Both did something that had enormous consequence. But how different are the consequences? And Paul takes great pain to, to make this clear where Adam's act of sin brought sin and death to us all. How different Christ's death brought justification and life to all who will believe. He says in verse 19, For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. In verse 15 to 17, he takes pains to show the difference between Adam and Christ. The, the similarity is simply that what their, their action had huge consequences for many. The differences are legion. He says, verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. What Jesus gave is not like what Adam did. It's different. He talks about the trespass of Adam and how it affected many and many died. But how much more? And he'll use the phrase much more a number of times in verse 15 down to verse 17. How much more does the grace of God and the free gift of salvation abound from generation to generation for those who believe? where one sin of Adam's brought sin and death, yet Christ's death brings grace to many sins and brings eternal life to all who believe. Christ's impact is so, so much greater, so, so much more. He says in verse 15, if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. 
much more. He'll say it again in verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned, that's Adam, that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Wow. Christ, the consequence of what Christ did for us and his death on the cross, his resurrection, is so much more. Imagine, imagine the mountain, the mountain of your own sin. It's a great mountain. And then imagine the mountain of all the sins of the human race throughout history. All the sins going all the way back to Adam. What a great, great mountain. Christ's death and the free gift of grace covers that mountain. His grace. The hymn writer writes for good reason. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured. That's where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Adam is our skeleton in the closet, our black sheep. His sin brought death, and we die, and we have sinned. Condemnation is deserved by the whole human race. But another man came and he took on human flesh, became man and died for us. The pure lamb of God, his body was laid in the tomb and he arose. The holy one did not see corruption. And because of this second man, Christ Jesus, we're told that grace abounds. We see that at the end of verse 15, that the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. It abounds. We see that also in verse uh, 20, he says, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. John Bunyan, the Puritan who was imprisoned for his faith in Jesus Christ back in the 1600s, he picked up a pen and he wrote a book while he was in prison and he called it Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, meaning himself. He picked up that phrase, grace abounding, 
here from Romans chapter 5. He wrote these words. He said, Thou Son of the Blessed. He's speaking to Christ. What grace was manifest in thy condescension? Grace brought thee down from heaven. Grace stripped thee of thy glory. Grace made thee poor and despicable. Grace made thee bear such burdens of sin, such burdens of sorrow, such burdens of God's curse as are unspeakable. And he would speak of his own conversion to Christ Jesus. And when he received the free gift of God's grace, he says, I went home rejoicing for the grace and the love of God. One hymn writer writes this, Oh, what a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord, I have found. Though I had sins without number, his grace unto me did abound. It's picking up from Romans chapter 5 here. His grace aboundeth more. His grace aboundeth more. Though sin abounded in my heart, his grace aboundeth more. You will have noticed as we've gone through Romans so far, the pivotal, the pivotal narratives of history, the Adam story here, now, beginning in chapter 5, sin and death, the Abraham story we saw already back in chapter 4, our forefather in faith, and the Christ story, the grace of God freely given. Those are the three narratives that Paul weaves throughout the book of Romans and brings up time and again in his epistles and letters. These are the three narratives that have lasting impact. The historical moments that have lasting impact on the Christian's life. Adam, Abraham, and Christ. You know, every family has one. A relative who we know went bad in some way. Our skeleton in the closet. The black sheep of the family. But Adam, hmm, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. You see, in the human heart, is there, there's a family resemblance to Adam. Not in our features, but in our spirit. Our sins. But we can't keep the family secret. It's obvious. We need to own up to our past. We need to remember where we came from. And what kind of persons we once were. But because of Christ, all fades into the background. And we see here how great is God's salvation. How much more he has done for us. How far God has brought us from our origins through his son, Jesus. 
This morning we've learned that sin came into the world and death through Adam. And death spread like a plague for all who all have sinned. And we learn that just as Adam's action had consequence, so too the other man, the Christ, his action has consequence. Because Christ died and all who believe will have life, not death, will be forgiven. They will, they will have grace abounding all the more, much more. You know, we can't say for sure if Adam is in heaven. We can't say for sure if he believed God. We hope. What a sad end it would be to have the man, our kin, our ancestor, who walked with God in the cool of the day. How sad it would be to know that he is lost forever. And for him would be eternal death and condemnation. A sad thing indeed. But what about you? Won't you admit to the skeleton in your closet and that you too have sinned and deserve judgment of God? Won't you receive the free gift of God's grace to you in Jesus Christ, he will not force his gift on you. You must receive his gift by faith. Don't come to a sad end yourself. Don't be lost forever to eternal death. Repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who died for you. In his death is forgiveness for your sins. In his death is life for you. In his resurrection is hope for you. Trust in him. Follow him. And his grace will abound towards you. Much, much more grace. Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And you are so familiar, aren't you, with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we are all black sheep in Adam. We have all gone astray. We have gone our, our own way. But you laid on Jesus our sins. 
In Jesus, we find healing and forgiveness. In Jesus, we find salvation. We find your grace freely given and the gift of salvation to all who will receive it. Father, for those who are listening, may your spirit search out and search in the hearts of men, women, children. And they might admit their own sinfulness and their own need for a Savior who is Jesus Christ. That they would repent and bow their spirit, bow their heart and mind to call out to you and to reach out for your grace freely given in Christ. That they might know they are safe and that a sad end may not be part of their history, but a future day of glory instead, a future day of resurrection, a future day of being forever with the Lord. Abound your grace to us. Grace upon grace upon grace. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.